Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Now then, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the RGM podcast with me, Carl Maloney. How are you doing? You all right? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is a bonus episode coming out midweek for you guys. Uh, we're trying things new, we're trying new things here on the podcast, so we're going to bring more content out for you, just to spice things up a little bit, eh? Why not? So yeah, this is a bonus episode for you. And it's all about being backstage in the music industry, celebrating the, the brand new artists that are out there in the world that we just want to celebrate here at RGM, get to know a little bit and introduce you to guys all right so today's episode is with an aussie living in manchester harry hart ladies and gentlemen so let's crack on harry mate how you doing you all right i'm doing pretty good carl how you oh, getting on i'm fine thanks thanks for joining us today on the podcast mate it's, it's brilliant so an aussie living in manchester then to, to, That's to, right. Talk us through a little bit about your history and that kind of stuff. Introduce us to Harry Hart. Yeah, sure. So I, I was born a Londoner. Oh. But when I, when I was 10, yeah. uh, my family moved to Queensland in Australia, a pretty oh. rural yeah. sort of area. Nice. And I've only been back in, in the UK for just well, just under four years. Yeah. Uh, but it was always sort of calling me for the, for the music side of things. So yeah. I, I needed to scratch the itch and get back in touch with the, the British side of things. And I thought, why not explore the place where I had the, the best gig I'd ever had in the UK, yeah. which, was, which was Manchester. I oh, thought nice. that would do me. Right. Nice. So, so what's the scene like in Australia then? What made you, uh, what made you feel like you couldn't really do it in Australia if you get me? Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely can be done. Um, mm. But I think there's just different approaches that different people take. And I'm, mm. um, you know, I really like sort of rallying up the community side of things in music. You know, it's a very social thing for me. Yeah. Uh, I just found that was so much easier to tap into in in Britain. Mm. There's a maybe there's there's more of a Brit inside me than I realise, but it's yeah. it's just um, yeah easier easier to sort of get involved with uh, people on a, on a grassroots basis. I'd say in music, especially right. in Manchester, I think that's sort of what it's renowned for, really. Yeah, is it, do they have like? Like blogs and so I don't like using the word blog. But you know, music magazines, independent people, people that just love music, that just doing their own things. Do they, is that is there that kind of thing around over there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah definitely. They've they've got the whole sort of infrastructure there of what you'd expect from a, a music industry, and a, a lot of eyes are on the Aussie scene these days, aren't they? You yeah. know, I think Aussies do make quite a, a splash nowadays. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd say it's just maybe a longer standing industry in Britain. There's just more of it. It's denser yeah. populations. There's more mm. sort of niche tastes being served, you know, um, just just a bit more of everything. Yeah. Everywhere you look, there's a gig in Manchester. Yeah. So I'd say it's just a, a bit more sort of spaced out in Australia. It feels like you, you miss out a lot because I live in Manchester and you, you feel like you miss out a lot because there is so much going on and you should, you just see just on social media stuff so people are out at a gig tonight, people are at a gig tonight, like midweek gigs, which, you know, I work full time and do RGM so it's like getting out in midweek is like <laughs> madness to me because I'm that busy, it's just hard work but you do feel like you miss out a lot with, with how much is going on now, don't you? Yeah, it's true. I mean, once the floodgates opened, yeah. uh, after you know the last couple of years, mm. I, I feel like it's just come back with a vengeance. There's mm. so much happening, so many 
tours that you know obviously have been postponed and postponed again and all that and every now and then i'll jump on song kick or something like that to just see what's on tonight you know if mm-hmm. i think oh, I, f- I fancy going and seeing something and the caliber of artists that are just yeah. that are playing in in one city in one night in britain is just crazy at the minute spot for choice yeah it's great it's great isn't it? so just talk introduce us so for people that aren't aware of ari hart yet talk us through um just introduce yourself to uh the rgm world yeah sure so so i'm a independent musician mm. i have been since i was well about 17 mm. really so uh i released music in australia in a couple of bands i started sort of touring when i was in in high school at the end of high school mm. so i got a taste for it quite young I make uh, alternative rock, indie rock. Mm. Sometimes it taps into a more electronic side of things. Mm. Um, I'm very spoiled. I have a fantastic band in Britain, and I also have a fantastic band in Australia. Wow. So that really enables me to sort of, you know, make the most of the the two homes and the and the sort of the duality of nice. of my little my little life. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's that's what I've that's what I've done since I was a little boy, and that's what I'll continue to. do. Uh, till I'm old and grey. So do you, do you have to do like work and stuff or do you make a living out of music? Yeah, so I, I do what a lot of guys do in, um, in Manchester, which is there's so much weekend work. Mm. Uh, if you don't mind sort of letting go of the ego a little bit and playing some covers and that kind of thing. Yeah, okay. Um, that, that was all completely new to me. That's something I'd never explored when I lived in Australia. And everyone I played with in Manchester, all the musicians I met, just seemed to have all the time in the world in the week. And they said, do you want to record on Tuesday? I thought, well, no, I've got, I got my day job that I don't like. How, how are you doing this? <laughs> yeah. um, and I realised they, they're, they're just playing a lot of covers gigs and that sort of thing. Yeah. So once I realised that that's a, a good avenue to take to free up as much time as possible, yeah. it's quite. it can be a bit conflicting, I'd say that, because you... Um, Sometimes you'll play on the same street. You're playing like Oldham Street, yeah. and if you play on one in one venue, you're playing for you know whatever, however many tickets you can sell to play your songs. Yeah. And then you'll play in another venue, and you'll play covers, and you'll have a nice paycheck for it. Yeah. And you're on the same street. You're the same bloke with the same guitar, yeah. um, but the, the the pay side of it can be quite different. But that's that's what I've ended up doing since since I've been yeah. here, and I love it. I'm I'm surprised by how much I enjoy doing that it, it, it is conflicting and you, you've, you've got to make your way aren't you you've got to pay the bills there's got to be a way you can do it yeah. a lot of people do bar work and that kind of stuff but to stay to still be committed to the music side of it that's quite inspiring for me to see somebody work uh, just you're just finding your own path aren't you that's it yeah you've got to do whatever enables you to mm. um have the most time to do what you love the most mm. the most freedom to really maximize you uh input into into your music mm. and the irony of that is that the best thing to do really is play other people's music it's mad so, isn't it? And yeah it, it's frustrating isn't it <laughs> yeah i mean it can be but like i say as far as far as jobs go it's a yes, it's a good job you yeah. know yeah it's not like you're working down the pit is it mate yeah exactly <laughs> I've, I've, had, I've had worse jobs i've done you know i've done my bit with that I'd, i've yeah. definitely got a good reference point for what i what i don't, don't want to do, do yeah you know yeah, yeah I'll be, I'll be. so just talk us through um what you were like um you know growing up and that kind of stuff because musicians are, are a certain type of 
breed. Uh, when, I, when I speak to a lot of musicians on the podcast, they've always like grown up in an environment where there's been instruments around, and that's always been a catalyst for many musicians that we've spoken to. Was that a similar kind of thing for you, or do you have a different story? Yeah, I, I didn't really have a, a musical household, but I just sort of gravitated towards it when I was quite young. And my my parents, I was very lucky. They're the sort of parents that they'd they'd do their best to back me in in any interest I showed. You know, if it was rugby for a couple of weeks till I realised I wasn't <laughs> built for it, yeah. or if it was you know playing keys or something like that, and and keys was what ended up sticking. Yeah. And that slowly turned into guitar. But yeah, like I say, it was my my family loved music, but they they didn't play music. Yeah. Uh, my immediate family, anyway. So I um yeah just just learnt learnt piano, learnt guitar, and then made some friends at school that became really good sort of lifelong friends. Yeah. Uh, and we we formed our first band when we were twelve. Wow. And we used, this is in in rural Queensland in Australia. There's nowhere to play, even if you're an adult. There, mm. There's nowhere to book a gig, let alone for 12-year-olds. Wow. Um, but we'd learned a lot of cover songs and playing a lot of Arctic Monkeys and Kooks and, you know, a lot yeah, of, like, yeah. Brit rock stuff. And we used to just play our friends' birthday parties. Yeah. And whenever the, the school would let us, we'd play at lunch. We'd bring uh, some gear in with us, you know, our little amps and stuff. Yeah. And we'd put on, like, a little lunchtime concert and we started writing our own songs. Um, so it was really through sort of friends, I'd say, through those mm. those friends that love music and we, we all kind of learnt together, you know. I can remember uh, in Sheffield in school, in Myrtle Springs School in Sheffield, when uh, the, the maiders play rugby. Nobody, nobody gives a shit about rugby in Sheffield, not really. Uh, no. And I, I can remember having a go at it and I, I can remember jumping on a ball and it went the wrong way around and it, and it and I broke my rib straight away. I thought, nah, that's not for me, that game. <laughs> <laughs> got, to get, got to give it a try to find these things out. Yeah. They, called me, they called me Harry Gump for years because <laughs> okay. my favorite rugby, uh, I think I just started running across the other pitches when I had when I finally got the ball I didn't know what to do with it so I just ran yeah and I just went across all the other pitches rather than staying on our own one it's, so, yeah. it's all about finding your lane in it and and being real yeah. being realistic with it as well because you, you, you mentioned there earlier that you know you, you can walk down Oldham Street in Manchester uh cover cover gigs will be rammed but getting your own stuff and I, and I know this as a promoter putting gigs on in Oldham Street Pier at uh, Gulliver's Castle, all, all these venues in Sheffield, uh, in Manchester. Sorry, it's it doesn't seem harder than it, it seems harder now than ever to get people down to gigs to buy tickets, and that could be many things. You know, a lot of people are skint at the minute that you've got that we've got to appreciate. You just because of how times are. Um, mm. how, how do you find you know engaging with people and actually getting them to buy a ticket to your gigs? How how do you find that process at the minute? Yeah, I think you just got to put yourself in their shoes, and and yeah. that's not hard to do because we are in their shoes, aren't we? Yeah. We're we're music lovers just as much as creators. Mm. So when I am feel like like I said before, I'm spoiled for choice for what yeah. to see tonight. There's one problem. Yeah, there's there's a lot yeah. of choice. True, it's a good problem to have, mm. but it's still a dilemma for your friends uh, that are trying to sell tickets. Yeah. And the other is obviously everyone's skin. So if I'm, you know, if I'm going to sort of steer towards maybe the cheapest, the cheapest option, then I imagine that my audience is going to do the same. So yeah. I think it's, it is a, it is a difficult one, but I think as long as you're trying to meet your, meet your audience halfway and you're not yeah. trying to overprice your show, mm. 
when um, when you know everyone's in a, a sticky spot at the minute, especially when half your audience probably play music anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just keeping that in mind and, try, and trying to find sort of creative ways to incentivize them to actually come down and, and see you in the flesh. I think you have to offer more than just a gig these days, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah. I think you've got to think, think on your feet and figure it out. I mean, everyone's pressed for time and working working hard, and yeah, you want to make, find a way to... Um, make them choose your gig really so yeah. going, going above and beyond i think is the new norm with gigs it, I, I don't think that's a bad thing i 100 percent agree with you and it's, it's not just us humans that are skint the venues of skint they've been closed down for two years yeah uh, and the higher costs for venues these days are a lot more than what they used to be um and mm. that's had a knock-on effect on being able to you know when you hire a place you've got to try and break even at least with these things so ticket prices have had to go up they, they have at our gym we went up from like six to eight pound for a ticket which is a lot yeah. of money for people um but we've had to because the venues are skint too because they've been locked down for for two years they're just trying to probably recoup a lot of debt from lockdown still um just to try and yeah. stay alive themselves as a venue which we need so it, it, it's it's a tough life out there for a for a job in musician and that that's why we want to work as hard as we can at RGM and just raise awareness of these things so people understand what's going out there in the world. And that's what kind of what this podcast is about a little bit as well. Yeah, that's it. Like like you say, it's every everyone's in a similar position at all levels of that, you know, yeah. of, of something like putting on a show. Mm. So it's, uh, yeah, figuring out how to, how to make it work for everyone. But music's not going anywhere. People still want to yeah. go see shows. So, you know, yeah. it always, always finds a way because we, we need it, don't we? You can't, it, 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 I'm a failed musician and I can't let it go. That's why I kind of like started RGM, you know, once it's in you, this passion for music, it's, you, you can't let it go, can you? You just got to go for it. Yeah, of course. Of course. It will drain your bank and take up all your time <laughs> and you won't see, you won't see your family that much, but yeah. it's, it's worth it. It is worth it. It is worth it, mate. So, so, uh, so, yeah. You've had, you've had this history of being in two different countries, all this culture around you, two different bands, jobbing musician, making your own way as Harry Hart. So, where do you see yourself in the industry? Yourself as as a as Harry Hart. Where do, where do you position yourself at the minute? I think where where I like to imagine I sit at the minute is um, someone that's not sort of not scared to just give it a go on their own essentially and i think that my friends in in music sort of see that as well yeah. in that rather than waiting for someone to tell me how to do it or to organize it for me i'm generally the person that will just put it together myself mm. and i think i read something the other day i think it was like a a reviewer or something giving people a hard time about um you know claiming to be independent um and just sort of ignoring the benefits of not being independent and you know it's almost yeah. arrogant to say that i'm independent and that's a really good thing mm. um where and i think what it is that, that sort of stayed with me after i read it and i thought well where i sort of see myself is i am independent because i'm very used to wearing all those different hats mm. but that doesn't mean you're so stuck to being independent that you're not willing to work with people that you think bring something to the table it's just that while you are on your todd you may as well figure out how to do everything the best you can do rather than praying someone's going to show up and do it for you mm. and the irony of that of course is the more you do things yourself the more likely you are to attract other people to work with you because they can see that you 
you're not waiting for a handout. I'm not waiting for someone to come in and save the day. So I think in the past couple of years, I've really tried to live that and in, mm. embed that uh, sort of approach mm. and that moral. And I think it served me really well. I, I feel much happier in my in the way I work. Mm. I, I feel it's sort of like a weight off your shoulders when you stop wishing someone had come and come and help you and you just do everything yourself. Um, I feel like people appreciate it. I, I work with many bands and have managed bands and that kind of stuff. And some some of the young bands out there at the minute, they are, they're not willing to do the graft on social media. They're not willing to, uh, they do think by, and it's very naive to say once they've sold out a smaller venue to the friends and family that, you know, they're kind of on a, on a they're kind of on the path now because they've sold out the castle or whatever. Um, there's a lot of naivety out there from bands that, and you mentioned earlier, you can't just offer a gig at the minute. You've got to offer a show. You've got to offer something different, which I found interesting. Mm. Um, there's still loads of bands out there that have that attitude and they aren't going to make it. Yeah, I think if you if you think, well, I've I've done all I can do or I've done, surely this is enough. You know, I think a lot of people, yeah, um, yeah will just assume that because they've ticked all the boxes, it's going to work out for them. And mm. if it doesn't, it's an injustice, Yeah, you know, and yeah. obviously that's that's not how it works. Not how it works in any yeah. industry, especially in music. You've got to figure out how to how to go above and beyond how to connect, how to find people to connect with, you know, yeah. it's a big job. It's, yeah. um, it's brilliant. It's brilliant fun. So how, how do you organize a gig then to be more than just a gig? I I'm, think I'm, I'm very interested in this because I feel a little bit stale with some of the gigs I've been putting on at RGM at the minute. And I want to, I want to spice it up a little bit. I want to do different things. So I'm, I'm just interested in other people's opinion on it. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, straight away, you sort of have to refer to your most memorable gigs, don't you? Is it not the ones yeah. you've played, the ones you've you've gone and, gone and watched? Mm. And for me, there's always sort of a larger-than-life aspect to them, even if it's on a small scale, in a small venue. There's something that just beyond just the, the performance of songs, there's something that makes you feel like yeah. there's something unusual happening in this room at this time. Yeah. And it could be, I mean... Obviously, there's the the lighting and sound side of things and getting that just right, of mm. course. But figuring out what you can do on stage beyond just playing your song, saying thanks, and then playing the next song, yeah. figuring out ways to engage people, either through music or through conversation or interaction between between the songs during your set, for example, yeah. thinking about every aspect of it like it was a, a show, like you say, and not a gig, thinking about if there's things you can project on the walls, things like that, if there's... QR codes people can scan to get some sort of freebie to show that they showed up. And mm. um, yeah, what what can you give to make someone glad they showed up um, beyond just, I like that song and now I've heard it live, you know? Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm not claiming to tick all these boxes at every yeah, show, but yeah, I, sure, yeah. yeah. Or it might be that you make, you, you make all the right efforts, but that might be the show where you didn't sell as many tickets as you thought. And mm. so, but um yeah, just just making sure you've given people a chance to be engaged at every at every moment, um, and that, I don't think that even needs a big budget. I think that you just need to really consider what you're presenting yeah. to, to people. You know, I, I see a lot of gigs and bands still do it to this day. They list social media at the end of each gig as if people are going to rush onto the phone and follow you straight away on Facebook. That that yeah. that 
that just seems really old school. It, it seems like the people did that when social media come out because it was a new thing, but people are still doing it now and it gets on me nerves a little bit because nobody gives a shit. Nobody's, nobody, nobody, you know, say so you can follow me on uh, www.facebook.com forward slash blah, blah, blah. Um, it, it's, it, I don't know, that that side of performance just seems a bit half-arsed at the end to try and engage people and get them to follow you. And it just, it doesn't work for me that, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And, I mean, you've they've already bought the tickets. You don't need to keep plugging yourself. Yeah. They're, they're there. They're, they're there now just now just be an artist. Yeah. You know, you've – so, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you there. It gets a bit tiring, doesn't it? Well, finally, I, mean, I understand why people are always trying to drive their live audience to their socials or whatever yeah. it might be. Of course, they want to they keep them on yeah. board and serving them up new music and keep them – uh in in the circle but there's yeah there's more tasteful ways of doing that isn't yeah, there there's better ways than just listing websites to people in there <laughs> yeah exactly don't you know yeah okay. slash slash yeah exactly it kills a bit of the artist's yeah. mystique doesn't it when they're yeah. sort of reciting a url to you yeah and i'm a complete hypocrite because at the end of this podcast i'll be directing people to rgm.press as well so <laughs> you know it, it is what it is isn't it oh <laughs> uh, you're allowed to Carl. <laughs> fair enough so, talk, so, so, so your music then. So, so, uh, we've covered many singles of yours over the years on RGM, and there's always been, um, you know, uh, a certain professionalism when I'm uh, speaking to you on emails and that kind of stuff. And you always submit your tunes through to RGM and that kind of stuff. And we're here doing a big interview, and you've got a, a release coming up on Friday too that will point people towards on this podcast. So, uh, as an artist, w- 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 talk us through your music. Talk us, introduce people to. Uh, your music rather than yourself now a little bit sure so i think it it sort of started in a a more indie rock space Mm. um, or alternative rock sort of space but quite heavily influenced by the national uh the killers um, a band called the veils from new zealand who are a big influence on me quite a, a lyrical sort of focused um type of type of writing lots of big guitars mm. um and i'd say it slowly morphed into something a little bit more experimental mm. uh in the past couple of years so that's really me just trying to undo some some habits i guess yeah. some habits of of writing where you you feel like you've got a good grasp on how to write a certain song this way yeah. but i've realized quite recently like i say in the past couple of years that I don't think I was even really engaged by the type of song I was writing anymore. Yeah. I think I was just writing out a habit. And the majority of the music I was listening to or am listening to um, isn't even in that space, isn't isn't that genre. You know, that's not really what I listen to now. So I thought, why am I why am I writing like this? It must just be force of habit. Mm-hmm. Um, so with this this new album, I tried to just forget all of that and just do whatever excited me and not be sort of um not be afraid of pushing past any kind of genre boundary that i'd set up for myself i think i'd tried to create some neatly packaged parameters for myself in previous years thinking oh that'll help an audience understand what i'm doing but i'd bored myself in the process so yeah so that's what i've tried to do is just almost start from scratch um without using any of my old tricks and I've, I, I had way more fun making this album than I ever have any others, any well, other records. Well, it's 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 going to be all over RGM. Just to introduce people to the album, when when is it coming out? How can they download it? And all that kind of stuff for, so we can invest in Harry Art. 
uh, without yeah, list, sure. without listing so, websites. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this will be a URL free plug. We'll, so. we'll we'll put a link to this in the description of this podcast anyway, so people can click it. So you don't have to literally list things, but um, you know, I presume it's going to be on all the streaming sites and all that kind of stuff coming up too. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so you on on Friday, fifth of May, yeah. you'll be able to stream it wherever you'd expect to stream it. Yeah. Um, this is this is coming out. The day of, the day before, day before, I think, yeah, yeah we'll day before. Out, yeah. So you can still pre-order it on yeah. Bandcamp and iTunes the day before. Yeah. Um, there'll be a video coming out yeah. as well, um, and the only physical copies available are cassettes. Mm. So that was again me just having a bit of fun. So yeah. the cassettes you can order on um, the Strange Method website. Yeah um yeah and that's cassettes that's, are a weird one. i remember cassettes i remember having you know having to use cassettes because there were nothing else there and mm. how much of how much of how useful are, are selling cassettes for an artist these days i, I get the vinyl I, think, I get the vinyl thing um because people mm. invest in a, a nice little record player and that kind of stuff i've just not invested in the cassette thing yet you know that the the retro vibe of a cassette coming back just because i don't have a cassette player anymore i'm just interested in how that works for musicians these days bringing cassettes out yeah well i i you know obviously did it as a bit of an experiment not not being sure as to whether or not people are on board with cassettes Mm. but they've been far more popular than than any cd release i'd ever i'd ever brought out um and i think that's maybe to do with just the the unique sort of formatting of it, the, the physical yeah. format. There's something quite nice about it being quite small, and that's great at gigs as well. You know, mm. it's quite an easy thing to to yeah. take home with you on the train or the bus after you've gone to the gig, kind of thing. They're they're affordable. I mean, they're affordable for the artists to to manufacture. They're affordable nice. for the fans as well to to yeah. buy. So they, it ticks a lot of boxes, and it was the mm. first um, physical copy that I'd made that I I felt really looked and felt like a, a actual product as well it's funny like i said i've had cds in the past i never yeah. never pressed a vinyl um but yeah it's just just a nice thing to sort of hold in your hand and obviously it comes with a download card because of course like you said no one's got cassette players <laughs> a few people do i know i know yeah. a few people have heard the album uh sort of in advance because they bought the cassette and, and listened through their yeah. cassette players nice. so um because i'd released it sort of in this nft space i wanted to sort of counter that with uh something revivalist and retro as well so there's a futuristic component to the release and also a, a little um throwback as well talk me through the nft part of it then uh so it's it's really just like a a unique digital collectible version of each song on the album and I released those first with the sort of pledge that I wouldn't bring this album out on streaming services until each NFT was sold. So there's 11 tracks on the album. Wow. So that meant there were 11 tracks that you could buy. And every time someone bought one, I would release that song individually until the whole album is out. Um, so that's where we're at now. The, the album's only coming out because 11 people decided to to buy the 11 tracks. So I completely left it in there in their hands I and if no one bought them i wouldn't i wouldn't release it yeah i love that that's completely original i've never heard of that before in my life mate well done on that nice one i think that's probably because it's a terrible idea but... <laughs> okay. 
but it, no, it was it was good. For, it took a while, you know. It yeah. did, I, I brought the first one out in like summer last year. Yeah. It took it was a slow burn, but you know, it takes a long time for people to get their heads around that as a new concept. Anyway, let alone whether or not they like my song. Yeah, you know, it's just a, a foreign sort of concept. So, um, and did you yeah, have to use did burn. you have to use cryptocurrency to buy that as well to buy the NFT? Is that how that works? Well, you. You do, but the way that it's sort of designed now, it's quite user-friendly in that you mm. can actually just use a debit card as you would oh, credit okay. or debit. And it's doing, in the background, it's going to create the, the crypto side of things for you. But yeah. for for the audience, for the customer, you're just, just like as far customer. as you're concerned, you're just entering your card details like you would any other oh, online. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah, so it's really... That's fascinating. So, I love that. Yeah, Very yeah. Creative. Well done. Oh, thank you. Yeah, there's there's something to explore there for sure. Mm. And I think it's still sort of misinterpreted as tinfoil hat talk, you know, mm. a lot of this NFT stuff. But I think slowly more and more artists are realizing there's potential to just mm. have fun with your audience. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be some, you know, blowing a million quid on a on a JPEG situation it's just a new way to engage an audience yeah. and there's an audience that want to want to collect nfts why wouldn't why wouldn't you give them nfts to collect you know okay. well you know thanks for joining us for an episode of this podcast harry um more than um you know <laughs> i can't wait for the release it's going to be all over our gym we're going to support you to the end mate um is there anything uh, that you'd like to share with the people that haven't pressed the button on pre-ordering your album yet mate um, well, I'd say we're, we're playing in Manchester, 15th mm. of May. Nice. If anyone wants to come yeah. along to that, uh, um, 33 Oldham Street. Nice. Quality um, venue too, quality venue too. Yeah, they, they really upgraded that place, mm. didn't they? Yeah. They working. Um, yeah, and aside from that, like I say, 5th of May, have, have a listen. Hope, hopefully you like a song or two on the album and yeah. see how you go, yeah. But right. just grateful for anyone that presses play, like you said. So we'll put all the links in the description of this podcast on YouTube, wherever you're watching or listening to this. Uh, encourage you all to check out Harry Hart and check out the tunes. That are, you know, get involved with a new artist. You never know; you might be with him for the rest of your life. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, mate. Brilliant. So uh, here we go. So yeah, that was uh, a podcast with Harry Hart, as we mentioned on the podcast get involved check out the links I'm not going to be an hypocrite and list <laughs> any live links or anything like that that's just going to be daft uh, but we really appreciate you listening to this bonus episode of the podcast ladies and gentlemen as always there'll be a new episode each Monday and we're going to bring more content out midweek for you too so ladies and gentlemen thanks for joining us again and we'll see you for another week here at the Arjib Experience Podcast with me Carl Maloney toodaloo Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Hello. Did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways? Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support. Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe, tell a friend about our show, and thank you for your support, and we'll see you next week.